the best that God desires for us is according to his rule and not ours. I've told people for a year, the highest reward for man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Every single thing that we deal with in life, God is building our nature. God is building our character. God is building you and I. You know why we think something is best? Usually because it's easy. I have never found the best things in the world are easy at all. Can you say amen? You see, it's always the greatest pressure on the coal that makes the most precious diamonds. It's always the deep irritation in the pearls in the oyster's mouth that causes the most iridescent and beautiful pearls. It's always the greatest storms that cause the deepest roots in the ground. And the Bible says that if you root yourself on the rock, no wind, no hell, no anything, the gates of hell will not prevail. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about you. Is that okay? I was, I was praying and, and seeking God on, on what to do. We've been talking about heaven. Uh, we had a wonderful time uh, during the Seder presentation uh, a couple Wednesdays ago, on Wednesday night, I'm talking about the names of God. If you're not coming, it really would behoove you to get to understand what does it mean when the Bible says God, when the Bible says Lord. All of us in our Bibles have noticed that Lord is spelt in three different ways. You got Lord with all capital letters. You got Lord with all capital, but they're small capitals on the O-R-D, and then you got L-O-R-D, just regular. It's spelled different ways, and, and it really is important, I believe, in our Christian life or Christian walk or Christian growth to understand these things. And I'm going to talk just a little bit about it, not a lot, but just a little bit about it this morning. This morning, I, I have a message that I've titled, In All of Creation, There Was No One Greater Than You. I want you to turn to somebody right now and say, I'm the greatest in all of creation. And you don't have to laugh because the truth is, in God's eyes, you are. Let me tell you something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. If Donnie Stump was the only person alive on this earth, he would have still walked to the cross. 
If Ray Jaramillo was the only man, he would have still walked to this cross. If Dave was the only man, he would have still walked to that cross. Jason, Bianca, Mary, he would have still. So when I tell you to look at somebody and say, I'm the most important in creation, it's not a humorous, arrogant, well, you know, here I'm something thing. You are. In God's eyes, you are the greatest. Come on, thank God for that. You are the greatest. Now, contrary to popular belief, it is not the animals. I know we'll save a whale before we'll save a baby. It's not the trees. I was pastoring California for years. They blocked off 10 million acres because they said they found an extinct, they thought, yellow slug. Of course, they found billions of them all the rest of the planet, but they found them there. So now we've all, whether you believe it or not, like it or not, the tortoise they're trying to protect. Oh, folks. not the oceans it's not the environment now i'm not against all that stuff i want to have a beautiful sunset i want to have trees i want to have when when they build a house in our neighborhood thank goodness they only have one more house to build they got to take trees down and i'm not a tree hugger i like trees i love trees i love the things that happen in trees the birds and the squirrels and the animals and, and the, the, the wind blowing through. I, I love all of that stuff. And I don't mean to demean anything. But let me share this thing. All of that was created for your pleasure, your enjoyment. God created it for himself that you and I, his children. And at final tally, when it's all said and done, God said, there's nothing more important in creation than you. So look at somebody and say, hey, he's talking about me this morning. Would you do that? Look at somebody and say, this is my sermon today. I tell you what, if you have a rooster without a hen, you got no eggs. If you got Kellogg minus the farmer, there ain't no cornflakes coming around either. A hammer without the nails, no house building. What about John without Paul or Lennon without McCartney, whichever way you want to look at it? We are so much more valuable than we allow even ourselves to think, especially as a Christian. Especially. As a Christian. Do you really understand what you're worth? Let let me tell you something. Because, and if I can say wrong religious teaching, many people think poor pitiful me is a sign of humility. Well, let me tell you the right teaching. Poor pitiful me is a sign of pride. It's called false pride. Oh, you don't understand. Sure I do. 
Well, you know, I'm okay under the circumstances. Get your butt up out of under the circumstances then. Can I say that in church, Adam? I just did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Folks, everybody wants to be the victim. But as I've shared many times in this church, if you want to play the victim, fine. You just don't have permission to be a victimizer and bring everybody to your pity party. Did I say this was about you today? (laughs) A lot of times religious teaching is what's made us feel that way. There's churches and there's religions that you actually take a vow of poverty. My wife and I was raised in that religion. I always wondered why the church was always so stinking rich and everybody else was so poor. can, Can I tell you something about this Lord of ours? He wants us to look at ourselves as who we are in him. And if we will do that, we will never again have to prove ourselves as something to someone else. If we'll just take and grab a hold of who we are in Christ, we'll never again have to prove to others who we are in ourselves. I don't think you're getting this. If we could just grab a hold of who we are in Christ, we'll never again have to prove to anybody who we are in ourselves. Let let me tell you about this Lord of ours. The Bible says in, in, in Isaiah 7 that he stepped out of eternity into time. Emmanuel. You know who he did it for? The person sitting in your chair. Now, let me tell you a little bit more. He made himself, the Bible says, in, in the book of Hebrews, a little lower than the angels. You know why? Because of the person sitting in your chair. The Bible says also in the book of Hebrews that he tasted death for every man and woman and child on this earth. Why? Gary, because of the guy sitting in your chair. Daniel, the guy sitting in your chair. Ken, the guy sitting in your chair. Think about it. Folks, when God said he loved the world so much that he gave... He wasn't talking about this mud heap that we're living on. He was talking about the mankind that he created. Oh, I think you're probably going to get this message by the time I'm done. Let me tell you one more thing about him quickly. For the person sitting in your chair, the cross couldn't hold him and the grave couldn't keep him and devil could not defeat him. Can somebody get excited in the house today? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says these words. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, one day soon, we're going to be changed. And we're going to be just like him. Come on, get excited in the house of God today. We're going to be changed. And we're going to be just like him. Luke chapter 12, look at this. The Bible says, not one sparrow that has fallen from the sky has been forgotten from God. Underline this in your notes. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Right next to that, if you don't have many, the ones that you don't have are number two. Yeah, okay. 
He said, don't be afraid. You're worth a whole bunch more than many sparrows. And I love Romans 8. What shall we say in response to all the things that we're talking about in this world? Underline this in your notes. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can somebody get excited? The Bible says he didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us. How much more? Graciously give us all things. Let's, let's accept this one truth. I think I've underlined it already in your notes, but if I haven't underlined it, circle it, put exclamation points. God desires only the best for his children. You say, preacher, you're getting off into prosperity stuff. I believe in prosperity. What's the alternative? Okay. I believe it in stewardship though. I taught this just a few weeks ago in our, in our Wednesday night class. You really need to come to Wednesday night. It's, we learn a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I taught the reality is the world teaches two theologies, prosperity and poverty. But God's word teaches stewardship theology. And in stewardship theology, prosperity, not poverty, is part of it. But it's through stewardship that God prospers. It's not just because you, you name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. and Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I know those circuits too. Understand. And I have this in your notes too because I want you to circle this. The best that God desires for us is according to his rule and not ours. I've told people for a year, the highest reward for man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Every single thing that we deal with in life, God is building our nature. God is building our character. God is building you and I. You know why we think something is best? Usually because it's easy. I have never found the best things in the world are easy at all. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, it's always the greatest pressure on the coal that makes the most precious diamonds. It's always the deep irritation in the pearls in the oyster's mouth that causes the most iridescent and beautiful pearls. It's always the greatest storms that cause the deepest roots in the ground. And the Bible says that if you root yourself on the rock, no wind, no hell, no anything, the gates of hell will not prevail. You know why? Because of the person sitting in your chair. I'm trying to. Think about it, Monty. If you were the only bloke on this earth, he would have said, come on. Dad, I'll do it just for Monty. Sam, you think you're hiding way back there. If you were the only, I know you're not hiding, just kidding. You're the only one. Even you, Becky, back there. I, you see, you think you're further away, kids. I can, oh, I got eagle eyes. <laughs> now, think about it. There is no other reason. Man, this is good preaching. Look at 1 Peter 1. 
in this you greatly rejoice. Though for a little while, you may have to go through things. Look at somebody say, I'm going through it. I'm not going to abide in it. He said, all these things have come to build your faith. And look what it says about your faith. Look at what he says about the one sitting in your chair. It is of greater worth than gold. But he said, I'm building you. I'm proving you that your faith be proved genuine. To the praise, the glory, the honor. Look at James 1. Blessed is the man who perseveres. Let me put that in redneck language. That puts up with a whole lot of stuff. I know some of y'all hear my, my, my accent come out sometimes. It's real. It's there. Look what he says. Who perseveres under trial. Underline this in your notes. When he has stood, he will receive. Are you seeing that? When he has stood, he will receive what God has promised. Not when he gives in, gives out, gives up, and runs on. When he has stood. You mean, Pastor, I'm going to have to stand? Yeah, yeah. You know, I wish I could just show up to church and make heaven that way. But I can't. It's going to take standing. It's going to take dedication. Let me go on quickly. Number two. Life is a journey. That we're walking through, not abiding in. I love, I love Abraham, the father of our faith. The Bible says that he never settled down and built a mansion, a home, a castle. The Bible says for his entire life, he lived in tents. Because he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. The Bible says he sojourned. He was, he was like a, a, a vagabond, if you will, on this earth. Do you know why Abraham could do that? Because he knew this was not his home. Too many times we try to build better and get better and get this and that and the other thing because we're trying to build our home. Folks, our home is in heaven. We walk through. Let me take you to a passage of scripture and expound upon it just for a moment this morning about a guy that learned how to walk through. Oh, this guy had castles. This guy had everything. But he understood something because he had a heart after God. Matter of fact, he's the only guy in the Bible that God named him a man after my own heart. Look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. You know what a shepherd does? A shepherd builds a pen at nighttime. He'll build out a, bri- out a briar. He'll build them out of thorns, out of trees, out of bushes, whatever the case is. And he safely bl- brings his flock into the fold. You know why he does that? He knows the world is full of travail. He knows the world is full of dangers. He knows. And he gives us this picture that he is my shepherd. He builds this encampment round about his precious flock. And then you know what he does? He sleeps across the entrance. 
He said, the dude's coming through, they're coming through me. Can you think about that for a minute? For the devil to get to you, he's got to go through him. He lays at the gate. He walks with a rod and a staff. A staff is just what we know it is. It's this long thing with a crook. Part of the staff's reason is that he can reach out and grab a hold of that little rebellious lamb. Yes. (laughs) And I think another part of it is just in case the lamb gets out of line, he can conk him on the head a little bit with that real long staff. But you know what the rod is? We think it's like a little stick. It was a massive club for killing. The devil shows up at your door. God said, my rod is going to bring some comfort to you. Amen. That's right. Oh, I think you're going to get this sooner or later. You know who he did this for? Who did he do this for? Oh, come on. I got three people saying, who did he do this for? But look what he said. Because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. If you go into the original language, there's actually a couple other words that some translations add to it. It says, I shall not be in want. It doesn't say I'm going to have everything I want. I'm just not going to be in want. And let's go on quickly here. The next line says, he makes me lie down. In green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley. Even though I walk through the valley. Say this with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I won't fear any evil. Why? You're with me. What's the next line? Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. It's either going to jerk you back in or it's going to knock the devil out. Boom. He said, you're going to even prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I looked up this word. I did a study uh, two years ago on the shepherd's psalm. And the reality is Psalm 22, 23, and 24 are actually part of one psalm. Okay. And they're actually the, the trinity of the shepherd's psalm pre-empting uh, and predicting the crucifixion and all the stuff. If you read them together, you'll get a whole brand new understanding. But listen to what this, I was reading this and I was looking at that table. I was looking at this thing, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What Lord are you doing? And God took me into the original language, took me back to the understand. How many know we have something around us all over the place? They're called mesas. Yes. How many know what the English word for mesa is? Table. What God is saying, he's saying, I'm literally lifting you up in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to put you above them so you can see them very well. Oh, I don't think you got that. God said, I set a table before you in the presence. I'm going to lift you up in the presence of your enemies and they're not going to have the upper hand on you. You're going to have it on them. 
you anoint my head with oil. It overflows. And then I left this in bold. I think I did in your notes as well. Would you read it with me? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now I want to take a moment today and I just want to break all this down. I already spent some time on the, on the shall not want part. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, they are amen. Spoken of by the glory of God. There is nothing. The Bible says over in the book of Luke that it's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. What God has promised, he is able to perform. Unlike inconsistent man, God is faithful to do what he has said. He is the yes in his word and the amen in his oath. God is not double-minded. God said, if I promised it, you can take it to the bank unlike anything else. Let's look at he makes me to lie down. I don't have all these scriptures written down for you, but I, uh, you, there's some of them written down, but you need to write some other ones down. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life that I become weary and heavy laden. And God oftentimes in that moment will take me over to the book of Matthew where it tells us to come unto him all that labor and are heavy laden. I will give him rest. He gave me that understanding and then he took me over to Isaiah 26. It's in your notes. He said, you will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast. We know beyond a shadow of doubt that God can do and God will do what he said he has done and he is going to do. And it says, trust in the Lord forever. Are you seeing that? For the Lord, the Lord is the rock. Now I'm going to take you to Wednesday night. You see that word Lord three times? The first one is translated Adonai. The second one is translated Jehovah El Shaddai. The third one is translated El Shaddai or Adonai. Adonai is the Lord that is in control of everything. Ooh. The Lord that is in control of everything. Jehovah El Shaddai is the God, the creator, the all-sufficient one. So let me read this to you. Trust in the Lord who is in charge of everything for the God who created it all and is sufficient in all will be the control of your life and his rock is eternal. I guess I'm getting a little excited. These are good notes. The Lord, the one that's in control, who is the all-sufficient one, in covenant with me, which is what Jehovah means, will be in control, for he is the rock of my salvation. See, this all comes in the understanding of he makes me to lie down. There are times in our life that God's going to pull the rug out of your feet and he's going to make you lie down. 
and trust him. If you love God, he is going to make you lie down sometimes. I was doing this and I was actually just going to quote this. But this morning as I was going through my notes, the Lord said, no, read the whole chapter to them. So get your Bibles to Psalm 46. I'm reading out the New International Version. I just have one scripture on the screen, but I'm going to read the whole thing. God is our refuge. Psalm 46, very short passage. So God is our refuge. Say that with me. You know what a refuge is? Place of protection, place of hiding, place of security. Look at the next line. And strength. Ever-present help in time of trouble. Who did he do this for? Who's he doing this for? Come on, I'm going to get the whole church shouting me pretty soon. Who's he doing this for? Therefore. Okay. I got to take you into this. You got to see this. Look, look, look. Look, Ray. See? God is my refuge. My strength, ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, what that means is he's alluding to that verse just before. Therefore, what's it say? We will not fear. He's my refuge, my strength, my ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I got nothing to fear. There's that redneck coming out again, Ray. (laughs) Even if the whole world collapses tomorrow. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Even if the whole earth gives away and the mountains fall and the into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake and the earth is surging. Don't have to be afraid. No fear. And then I love what's next. Oh, oh. You know why you don't have to be afraid? Because there's a river. Whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help. At the break of day. You know what that means? Oh, there might be weeping that comes for a night. But my Bible says joy comes in the morning. There may be a time of weeping. But God said, if you'll trust in the one who holds it all together, who makes the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the plains and the oceans all exist. Jehovah El Shaddai. He said, if you realize that he is yours and you are his. And his banner over you is his love. And ain't nothing can mess with the love of God. Can somebody say amen? Are you getting this this morning? Okay, I'll continue on. Nations will be in uproar. Is that happening today? Look what it says. Kingdoms will fall. But he lifts his voice. He lifts his voice. The earth will melt. Why? Jehovah El Shaddai. The Lord God 
Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is my fortress. Who is he doing that for today, church? Come and see the works of God. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease on the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord God of Jacob is our fortress. Mm. And this is the one that leads me. Y'all don't mind if I get a little excited, do you? He is the one that leads me. And look what he says. Beside paths of righteousness. By his word and his spirit, he instructs me. Because it's he that makes me righteous. Remember Job? God was the one that put Job on the spot. God was the one that did it. Job's just minding his own business and God says, have you considered my servant Job? What do you think about this thing? Larry, you, you and Sherry just kind of going through your own thing and doing your own thing. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, Satan, you're kind of bored right now. Have you considered my servant Larry? But listen to what Satan's response was. You can look it up in the book of Job in the first five chapters, okay? Look what the, the devil's response. He said, I can't bother him. He's under your protection. Even the devil knows it. Well, the pastor, how does it happen? Either we allow it or God allows it. Well, I don't want the devil showing up. Then stop doing stupid things. Smile at me. Stop doing things that you know are opposed to the things of God. Oh, I didn't know it was. You say, you mean I might be going through something God has allowed? Nothing touches the father's child that hasn't first touched the child's father. First John chapter three says, now we're the children of God. It doesn't yet seem what we're going to be, but we know when we, when we see him, we're going to be just like him. You see, it's not something that we have to attain to. It's not something that we have to accomplish. It's something that's already done entirely by his grace, his love, his goodness, his mercy, his choice. Amen. And we can be a part of it if we desire. You say, pastor, who wouldn't want to be a part of it? Lots of people. Look at Romans 1. You see, even in this ministry, even in Victoria's life, God is still waiting people to belly up to the bar. I know that's probably not the best thing to say in church, but he's waiting for us to get involved. (laughs) There is no telling what I will say, is there? God has developed some of the greatest character in the midst of the most unlikely characters. Romans 1 says, this good news tells us this fact that he made us the most important thing in all of creation. This 
Good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. God makes us right in his sight when we put our trust in him. Though there are many deserts, many valleys, many mountains along the path of life, we must keep in mind the one that we serve will take us through the valleys, over the mountains, and he'll turn the deserts into green pastures. Isaiah 41 says it this way, I will not fear, for God, you are with me. He said, don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who raised against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Listen to this. And those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. I I, I studied that many years ago. And you know what the Lord is literally saying? He said, I will make your enemies as if they never even existed. He said, though you search for them, you won't even be able to find them. My wife and I, we, we run around town, you know, here in this megatropolis called Flagstaff. And we're always amazed that disgruntled people that have been disgruntled over the years. I know that's hard to believe that anybody wouldn't like us, but, you know, they're one or two. We never run into them. Folks, Flagstaff ain't that big. And we never run in to these people. Say, Pastor, who are you talking about specifically? I'm talking about just people. How many here have anybody that don't like you? Everybody likes you? Okay. I don't have any enemies, but I got people who don't like me. I just think it's amazing how God works that out. You say, well, Pastor, what would happen if you ran into them? I'd probably shake their hands, tell them I love them, talk to them. I do it regularly if I do run into them. Uh, Jerry Brooks and I have this little meeting place that we go to once in a while, and, and inevitably there's folks that are there. They say all kinds of things about me. I'm not going to say what they're nice or bad. But every once in a while, he and I will go there together. Wave your hand, Jerry, so they know you're a real person. Yeah, there he is. Okay. <laughs> Jerry and I will go there. So you can ask him if the story is true. And these folks will be sitting at a table. And me being the loving, gracious, kind, considerate guy I am, I'll go sit at the table with them. And I'll just love all over them. And I'll just spend time. You know why? God wants to heal. God wants to help. God wants to restore. God wants you to know you don't have to have an enemy unless you choose to have an enemy. He'll make them as if they don't even exist. Things happen in life. And Isaiah 41 concludes here in the 13th verse. I am the Lord your God. I will hold your right hand. Do not fear. I will take care of you. Who's he do that for? Matthew 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added to you as well. Goodness and mercy, he said, will follow. Goodness and love will follow. He didn't say it will lead me. It will follow me. Luke 12 says, don't fear. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus is preparing 
for Calvary. He's spending some of his last time with his disciples. And he's sharing with them and they come to agreement that, okay, you are the Christ. You are, you are the Lord. We understand that. And Jesus says in John 16, you believe at last? The time is coming and has come when you're all going to be scattered each to your own home. You're going to leave me alone, but I'm not going to be alone because my father is still going to be with me. You know what he's saying? The disciples and us, we're going to go through stuff. And all we're going to want to do is scatter and go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar. That's why people get saved and they return right back to the muck and mire that God pulled them out of. Why? That's all they've known their life. You don't have to return back to anything except God. And God will give you the victory and the freedom and the deliverance to not just be somebody that this is what I have been, this is what I'll always be. No, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus said, I know you're going to have these problems, but I spoke these things. Look at this in John, 30, uh, John 16, 32. I said in these things, I spoke that you in me will have peace. In this world, you're going to have problems, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Let me ask you today. Where's your worth? Where's your value? Is it in Christ or is it in your job? Is it in Christ or is it in your family? Is it in Christ or is it in your cat or dog? Is it in Christ? Where is your value? Because if it's not in Christ, nothing else is going to matter. Can you say amen? I'm done. Let me... Let me ask you, we've, we've had a great altar call. Let me ask you about you. And please look at me. Don't get distracted. Don't look at anything else. Do you know why most of us go through the problems we go through? As we're looking for security, confidence, hope, fulfillment, and all the wrong things. There was an old song back in my days that I used to play in the nightclubs that I sang. And it's always called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Some of you remember that song. But the truth is, is here we are in the church, the place of true love. And we're still looking everywhere else. A job's not going to fulfill that. You get married and you were miserable single... You just be married and miserable. If you think, well, bless God, if I get out of this marriage, I won't be miserable and married. Yeah, you'll be single and miserable. Oh, if I just get a different job, yep, you'll have a new job. And it'll be honeymoon for a couple days. And then you'll be working and miserable. Because it's not the job, it's not the marriage, it's not being single, it's, not, it's none of those things. It's all about a relationship that you and I have with the only one that can give us the fulfillment and satisfaction that we desperately need. If you're having struggles in any of those areas or countless others, I encourage you today to realize you are the most important Thanking all of creation. Nothing else. 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Yeah.